Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. This morning, finishing up this series, we're going to be uh, talking about the work uh, that we're called to do. And starting out in Exodus 18, verse 20 again, Moses was instructed to teach the people of Israel the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Last week, we looked at the principle of basically the principle of work uh, that God intended it to be. And this morning, we're going to again look at work, but our focus is going to be on how the good news, the good news of the gospel integrates with our work. And as a foundation for that thought, I just want us to take a crash course on the idea of worldview. You may have heard that term before. It's getting more and more common now. It's not anything new, um, but it is something that just kind of a term that people throw around. Um, and basically, it means how we see the world, how we look at the world, that we all look at the world through a distinct worldview. Uh, you may, some of you may be aware of the old saying uh, that somebody looks through uh, rose-colored glasses, you know, that that's how they see the world. And basically that just means they're optimistic. They have a positive outlook. If you were to wear, you know, sunglasses with a rose shade, everything you look at, everything you see is going to be shaded red. And um, so that's kind of uh, an example of what a worldview is. We all have one, and we're all looking at the world and filtering it through that worldview. Most of us don't even realize what ours is. It's just something that we've grown up with. We were influenced by our parents, by our culture, by our environment, and that has developed our worldview. And so I wanna, want us to talk about that this morning and, and understand that there's really only two worldviews. There's the world's worldview, and there's literally countless of those you know there there's as almost as many people as there are on the earth there's probably that many world worldviews and then there is the christian worldview and so you have all others fall into one bucket and then the christian worldview is unique to itself uh i want to give you just a couple quick examples of some worldviews that you may be familiar with just to give you uh get our mind in the right place for looking at this. The first one is Marxism. Marxism assumes that our problem comes from greedy capitalists who, want, who won't share the means of economic production with the people. And the solution in their uh, viewpoint is a totalitarian state. If you can just get the government to control everything, everything's going to be okay. And the, the problem... Uh, the way that the world, uh, the world's worldview works is that they isolate the problem as something in the world and then they find something else in the world as the solution. Whereas the Christian worldview says the problem is sin and there's only one solution and that's Jesus Christ. The next uh, example of a worldview was uh, Dr. Freud. He was a a psychologist, and, and came up with a, a system of thought where he believed our problems come from repression or repressing deep desires for pleasure. And the villain or the, or the problem is played by the repressive moral gatekeepers in society like the church. Uh, the solution is unrepressed freedom of the individual. 
This is a worldview that has literally, um, you know, captivated the world for generations now. Um, and it really, again, it's that a shade that has been put in front of people, what everything that they look and everything that they see without them even realizing it. You know, most people now, it's just something that this is just part of our, our culture. Others think that the world's problems come from undisciplined, immoral, selfish people who won't submit to traditional moral values and responsibilities. The solution is a return of general morality and virtue in society. And this is just saying, look, we're just undisciplined and immoral. If we just got back to some good old-fashioned morals, we'd be okay. Again, that's putting it in our control. We're looking at the problem as just being this um, decline of morality and saying if we just got more moral, everything would be okay. But that worldview is just as incorrect as the other two or any other uh, worldly worldview. Because again, they're identifying the problem as something within the world and then something within the world is being identified as the solution. The Bible alone rejects all of these attempts to either demonize some part of creation as the root of the problem or to idolize some part of creation as the solution. Only the Christian worldview locates the problem not in any part of the world or any particular group of people, but in sin itself, our loss of relationship with God. That's the problem. And only the Bible identifies the one true solution, which is our restoration of relationship with God, which is only through the work of Jesus Christ, through God's grace. So without an understanding of the gospel, we're either going to be naively utopian or cynically disillusioned. We're either going to pick a worldview that says, if we just got it together, if we just took this solution that I know is right and applied it, all of our problems would be fixed. We just aren't doing it right. You know, in our country right now, we've got kind of a rise of, of a socialism type idea. Again, there's a lady in New York, I think, that just got put into Congress um, who's very socialist. And that, you know, their idea is if, you know, yeah, we know it's never worked before, but we haven't done it right yet. If we just do it right. And the truth is, I mean, is you know, my, my personal opin, opinion is that the way America is structured and the capitalistic thought is one of the best ways that we've found throughout history, but it's not the solution either. It's full of problems too. The truth is no form of government is going to fix the world. It's not the problem and it's not the solution. The problem is sin and only Jesus Christ can fix the problem. So, you know, all of these things are people trying to grasp at something, saying this is the problem and this is the solution. And we're either going to be um, naive, like I just said, and say, well, this is going to fix everything. Or we're going to say nothing can fix it. And we're going to uh, just be cynical about everything, that everything's pointless. There's, there's, there's no hope. Everything, all is lost. But the truth is, Jesus Christ came and fixed all the problems. He is the answer. He is the way. And if we have a Christian worldview, everything we do, everything we see will be filtered through that lens. We can see work through the Christian worldview. We can see our family through the Christian worldview, our marriage, our children, uh, even at leisure. Everything that we do can be viewed 
through the Christian worldview. The gospel worldview simply stated is there was God's original creation, God's plan, which was perfect. And then mankind's fall into sin is the problem, which broke our relationship, severed our relationship with God. And then there's the solution, redemption and restoration with our relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. That's the only worldview that works. And if we have the gospel worldview, we'll look at everything through the lens of the gospel. Ephesians 6.12 says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's not other people that we're fighting. It's not other thoughts or ideas. It's sin. It's a broken world that only God can fix. And there's only one solution. This worldview will change the way that we look at everything, and it includes our work, regardless of what kind of work that is. We looked at this, uh, these scriptures last week, but we're going to look at them again. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And in Colossians 3, verse 17, and then 23 and 24, it says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work heartily as, the, as, the Lord, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Matthew 20, verse 28, uh, we hear from, actually we start in verse 25, um, Jesus called uh, to his disciples, and just to give you a quick background of this verse, this is where uh, two of the disciples' mother, they come to Jesus and the mother comes to Jesus and says, hey, Lord, can you make my sons sit at your right and left hand? You know, can you put them on the top? And Jesus is saying, you know, you don't, you don't know what you're asking. And, and this is part of his response in verse 25. It says, Jesus called and said, you know that the rulers uh, of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus himself is saying, look, I'm I'm as high as you can get. And I came to serve, not to be served. My kingdom doesn't work like the world's kingdoms. They want to be on the top and lord it over everybody. But he says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you have to come and serve. And we've been talking about that the last few weeks, that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And if he is Lord of our life, then we're going to do what he called us to do. Our vocation, our life, everything that we do can be serving the Lord because we are. And these three passages go a long way to shape uh, the gospel worldview. Other people are working for themselves and trying to please their own desires, trying to fix their own problems the world's way by demonizing one aspect of the world and idolizing another. But Jesus is saying we're called not to lord over others, but to serve, 
to do everything for the Lord and not for men. And he gave us the perfect example just to do that. Uh, The gospel reframes everything, not just religious things. For us to be a Christian in our work means much more than just being honest. And it even means more than personal evangelism or starting a Bible study at your office. It goes much further than that. It means thinking out the implications of the gospel worldview and God's purpose for your whole work life and for the whole of the organization that's under your influence. Regardless of whether you're at the top or the bottom, you can be an influence in the place that you find yourself, that God has called you to. And I encourage you to sit down and to really think through the implications of the gospel of the gospel worldview on your work and on your daily life and in your family. Jesus called us to be servants, not to seek out people to serve us. And he called us to submit to his lordship, to do the will of the Father and not our own will. So we have to be asking him, what is your will? How can I serve you? How does the gospel come into play uh, in every area of my life? In Romans chapter 12, 1, we see how far this really goes. Uh, this is Paul, and he says, I appeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul's literally saying that God wants us to be a living, slain thing that we lay down our life, that we die. And that's the whole point of the gospel. We die to ourself. We die to our flesh. We die to our desires. And all of that is dead. And through Jesus Christ, we're resurrected into a new life, totally new, a new creation that is meant to serve the Lord in everything that we do, in every area of our life. My desires, my will, my everything has to be slain, has to be offered up as a living sacrifice to God. And all that's left is the new creation whose entire will, entire purpose once only desires the will of the Father, which is the life and example that Jesus Christ lived. So what does that look like? In Romans twelve eleven? this is just a few verses down from the verse we just read. It says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Never lack in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. The word zeal here means both urgent and diligent. The literal Greek for fervor here translates to as to your spirit boiling, like a boiling pot of water that our spirit should just be bubbling So we're asked to bring emotion, to bring discipline, to bring urgency to the task of being living sacrifices in the lives that we lead at work and in every other area of our life. When we serve the Lord, we're called to be diligent. We're called uh, to have fervor, to be boiling. We're called to be disciplined. We're called to be urgent when we do what God's calling us to do. I want to give uh, a quick example in work. Um, 
you've heard like the two different terms, grace and mercy, that grace is getting something that we don't deserve. Jesus coming and dying on the cross is grace. We didn't deserve that. God gave that. And then the word mercy is uh, us not getting consequences that we deserve. If we did something that was deserving of punishment and we don't get that. So us not being punished for our sins because of the grace that comes through Jesus Christ is mercy. I was thinking about um, our, how could the gospel be seen uh, in, in a job, in, in our uh, worldview when it comes to work. And a story that came to my mind was um, there was one individual in our congregation that shared a story with me that um, they had a student that would come to class and just cuss them out, wouldn't, didn't want to do anything, didn't want to work. And so normally the reaction that that student would have gotten is go to the office. You're, you know, going to go to suspension or get kicked out or, you know, whatever. And um, the teacher gave mercy. They didn't just do what should have normally been done. They, they, didn't, they didn't send them out. They just said, yeah, well, sit there or get to work or, you know, whatever. Stayed calm, took it. Well, and this just kept happening. And, and after a while, the student finally went up to the teacher and said, so you're not going to kick me out, are you? And they were like, no, I'm not. And, and through that act of mercy, the child turned around and eventually started doing the work, started uh, responding, and is now a productive member of the class because they showed mercy. And that's just one small example of how um, we can bring the, the gospel lens into, into our work. You know, he could have just as easily said, you know, go to the office, you're out. And every day if he came back again and again and again. But that's what God was leading him to do. Now, it's not that simple, though. The truth is, and we've, we've got plenty of examples in the Bible where God shows grace, he shows mercy, but eventually it got to a point of consequence. And there's times where consequences is actually how we show love and how God reaches people. There's, uh, you know, you can think of an example where a parent may have a, a son or daughter who is addicted to drugs. And they may say, well, if I, the, the child may be saying, well, if you love me, if you um, care about me, you won't let me be on the street. You'll, you'll fund my addiction. You'll pay for my house. You'll pay for my food. You'll make sure everything's taken care of so I can do drugs in peace, <laughs> you know, so it can be comfortable. And so from a parent's heart, that would be very difficult to do, but God may be saying to love them properly, you can't support it. Or the Holy Spirit might tell you in a circumstance, you do, and that's how I'm going to reach them. The point is, we have to go to God, the Lord of our life, and say, and the, Holy, the, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit speaks all truth to us. He's the one that leads and guides us. If we walk in the Spirit, it says we won't ever walk in the flesh. He can literally lead us step by step. And that's, again, the example of life that we have in Jesus. So in any of these circumstances, you know, there may be another circumstance where the teacher's right response led by the Holy Spirit would have been to send the kid to ISS, you know, and that he needs to get suspended. And that's going to reach that one. The point is, is we don't know but god does the holy spirit does and he will lead and guide us in every step if we seek him if we're 
desiring to walk in the Holy Spirit, if we follow him with urgency, with discipline, with fervor, emotional fervor in everything that we do, that we just want to follow him. We just want to answer his call in what he is wanting us to do. I want to encourage you this week to take time and pray about your work. Pray about your calling and ask God how he is calling you to serve in every area. He has a way. He has a plan. We've been looking more on the secular side, but I do want to get into um, into some of the ministries of the church and just give you an idea of all the different things that we have going on here at New Covenant Church. One thing I want to reiterate is there isn't a difference between quote, the secular and the spiritual. God calls us to each one the same. If he calls you totally to minister in the secular world or totally to minister uh, in, you know, the, quote, church and the full-time ministry, or if he calls you to some percentage in between, it doesn't matter. What matters is you hear his call and you answer that. But I want, I want to share with you a little bit of, of what's going on in the church just so you know uh, one, what, uh, what your faithful uh, tithes and offerings supports, the ministries that we have available to the church, to the community. You may know people that could benefit from some of these ministries and could direct them here. Um, and God may put it on your heart uh, to call you to one of these areas. But the, the, the first one that I want to talk about is our local missions and outreach. We have um, local benevolence that just helps people in need. Um, both in the community and within the church. We have um, missions and ministries um, through the Lampasas Mission. We support uh, the Lampasas Mission monthly with financial gifts. We also do different uh, drives you know, for food and different things. You hear those announcements. Um, but we support them monthly, and so do other churches in the community to help those in need of food, clothes, um, and other essentials. We have a local... Uh, Pregnancy ministry that started, they use our parking lot every, um, every Friday afternoon. They help, uh, mothers, uh, that need any type of support. They do sonograms, um, totally pro-life. I mean, their, their only counsel would be, um, for, for having the baby, adopting, you know, whatever help or service that they need. Um, they provide diapers, baby clothes, formula, all kinds of other services, and we're uh, making that available. Here in the next, uh, they're actually going to, I'm going to meet with them next week about doing a baby bottle drive where we can help financially support that ministry. Um, we support the Ministerial Alliance. That's a group of churches here in town um, that are work together. We do the gospel night uh, once a year in the in the park during spring hoe week. Uh, we also, and this, this may be one that a lot of people aren't aware of, um, people who are coming through town that don't have a place to stay, run out of gas, you know, that kind of benevolence need. The Ministerial Alliance uh, helps with those needs, and we uh, fund the Ministerial Alliance monthly to help with those types of needs. Um, and that is... Um, you know, also a benevolence. The reason for that organization is that helps us to know uh, we keep a name of 
a list of the names of the people that we support, you know, and the purpose of that is somebody could come into town and hit every church in town, you know, trying to get funds and help and it just be there, you know, the way they make a living, you know, and, and our, we want to be good stewards of everything that's given to us. And so this way, by organizing all of these churches together, we're able to help them and uh, give benevolence to them, but do it, you know, once and for the actual need that they have, not you know, 12 different times. Um, so that's something that we do through the Ministerial Alliance. We also uh, support Trinity Fellowship Association of Churches. That's an apostolic ministry that provides support, accountability, and ministry relationship to churches all over the country, including New Covenant Church. Um, They've helped multiple times to send. There was a period where we didn't have any elders. They provided translocal elders. There was a time where Pastor Darrell just needed a break, and they provided someone to be in the pulpit. Um, they provide monthly places where we can meet and get pastors together and have relationship. Um, so that's that's a ministry that we support. We also support Navigators, which um, specifically a couple named Rami and Reba Elias. They have a campus ministry that reaches out to Muslim students. Um, and those students are here on visas, but they minister to those students, they disciple to them, and then they get sent back to their home country, many countries where it's illegal to be a Christian. But they have planted seeds, and those seeds now get scattered literally all over the world. And that's a, a ministry that we're very excited to support. There's also um, Gesher Forum. Akiva Cohen was here in March of this year and spoke. We've supported him for years. He has a ministry um, in Israel. And um, his program is called Young Leaders of Israel. They, uh, the current population of Israel is made up of 8 million people. Um, the Arab population is 1.7 million, and out of that, 0.03 of 1% are Christians. And then you have 6 million Jews, and less than 0.05% of the Jewish population are Christians. The interesting thing is Israel is a secular society. The biggest problem with Christians isn't being overwhelmed by Judaism. They're fighting against secularism just like we are here. And that's one of the things that he really spoke to us the last time that he was here. Is he said, Israel's much more like the United States than you'd realize. He's like, there's not a problem that you have that we don't have. It's the same thing. Honestly, I think they would have, the only difference would be they have a far less Christian influence. And so he is building up people um, in Israel, discipling people, raising people up uh, to be witnesses in Israel. And again, we're very thankful to uh, support that ministry. Psalm 122.6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and may they be secure who love you. When you bless Israel, you're blessed. And we, we definitely want to be on the side of Israel and so we do anything that we can do to, to support them. They also actually have another ministry called, uh, uh, it's a Messianic Special Needs Ministry where they minister to kids with special needs um, and bring those families together. And that's one of the, the few ministries like that in, in the country as well. And so they're doing some great, great ministry. Um, we support Eagles View Ministries, which is Bobby Connor's uh, prophetic ministry that is to the United States and around the world. We have Heritage Daycare, which has over 90 kids. Um, we've had lots of kids discipled through there. And uh, actually recently just started a weekly chapel service that we do on Wednesday with all the little kids. I've done one of those. Amanda does those. Um, and so we rotate through, but we're really excited about that. Um, 
We have nursery and children ministry, the shine sparklers and spark ministry to our, our little ones that happens on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings, uh, Wednesday nights. Um, and we're just raising up. We're doing exactly what Akiva is trying to do in Israel is disciple our children, to disciple our young people in the Lord and to know the Lord. Uh, Theron uh, gave an update last week on our youth ministry. Uh, he did it, I think, just in the second service. You may not have heard it, but our, our middle school and high school ministry, we're doing the exact same thing. The thing that I love about what they're doing is um, they just are going through the Bible. They pick a book of the Bible or a story of the Bible and literally are going chapter by chapter through the whole story. Um, and the kids are just really getting involved and they're getting discipled. The Word is getting poured into them. And when we put the Word in us, it does not return void. Um, so we're excited about that. We have our worship team ministry, uh, our men's and women's ministry. I just mentioned about the survey uh, that you can fill out. We've been praying, uh, Matthew, I think it's chapter nine about the Lord of the harvest, uh, that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into his fields. Um, and so we've been praying in these general areas and we've had different people in the congregation say, my God's put this on my desire to to do something for the men, men's ministry or for the women's ministry. And something that we've just started doing is we've got a group of men and a group of women who are now praying about the men's ministry and women's ministry of New Covenant Church and asking God, what what do you want us to do in this area? And for the women's area, uh, one of the first things is this worship night that's this Thursday and this uh, survey that, they've, that they're asking you to fill out. So we ask you to participate in that. And we're excited because we believe God is leading this. It's not something that we just had a bright idea and said, oh, we have a hole here, a gap here, so let's do something. No, God raised up the people at the right time, and now we believe because of that, he's going to work in it. Um, we have a marriage and family ministry called This uh, that meets uh, once a month. We have our ministry prayer teams, our intercessor teams. Um, we have service teams like our, our safety team and, uh, that just helps us to be secure and safe every Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Our greeters, our hospitality that, that does our coffee and also uh, helps out with um, like funerals or meals or things like that. Um, we have manual service times uh, both you know picking up chairs every Sunday after the, the second service and then also people that help just around the church as needed. Uh, and then we have life groups, a whole list of life groups. And every week we have our life group directory out in the foyer. You can also get it on the website. We've got this list of all of our ministries and you can fill that out if you have a place that you feel like God's calling you to serve. Um, but the one thing that I want to point out and highlight is those are all the areas that we have, but God may be calling you to do something totally different, a ministry that doesn't even exist right now, but he's laying it on your heart. And it could be something in the church. It could be something out in the community. It could be something in your workplace. It could be something in your home with your own family, with your own children, whatever that ministry is. And we're all called to ministry. It doesn't have to be this ministry. It doesn't have to be in our four walls. It doesn't have to be any of these groups, any of these lists, any of these teams. It could just be what he's called you to do in your job, in your workplace, in your family, in your home, with your children. But he's calling you to do something. And what I'm asking you to do this morning is to really think about the worldview that's developed throughout your life. Do you have some mix of, 
of a world's worldview or do you have the gospel worldview? And if you do have the gospel worldview, sit down and ask God, how does looking through the lens of the gospel change my work? How does it change my marriage? How does it change the way I raise my children? How does it change the way that I work with my coworkers? How does it change the way I deal with my subordinates? How does it change the way I deal with my boss? How does the gospel affect this? And what are you calling me to do different? And I promise he'll answer. And I'm asking you to join us again in praying. Matthew 9, verse 36. Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful at your work. The harvest is plentiful at your home. The harvest is plentiful in our uh, community. The harvest is plentiful in this state. The harvest is plentiful in the world. And God is calling us to go out into the harvest. And we can pray that he'll speak to others. But I also want us to ask him to speak to each one of us and say, Lord, where are you calling me in your harvest to serve? And that we remember that he has a call for each of us. And when we answer that, he's asking us to serve him with urgency, with diligence, and with emotion, like our spirit is boiling within us. That we're doing everything we can to seek him and to hear his voice and to respond. Will you pray with me this morning? Dearly Father, we thank you. We thank you. Uh, that you have both grace and mercy for us, that you loved us so much you sent Jesus while we were still in sin because you loved us so much. And the response that you ask from us is to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, literally to lay everything on the line to be killed that we might be raised in newness of life through Jesus Christ. And that everything we see would be viewed through the worldview of the gospel. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, that we would acknowledge your lordship in our life. In each one of our lives. That in every area that you call us, we would respond. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampassage.com.